companions. So be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? Chapter 4. You cannot wield it. Elrond's <laughs> Council. <laughs> cannot wield it. This is Spoilers. Hello and welcome to Spoilers. We're continuing our multi-part series on Fellowship of the Ring, this being the fourth part. Uh, I'm the newest member of the crew. I'm Corey, also known as Kylo Ren Memes, and I'm recording out of Simi Valley, California. I'm going to be hosting this time around, but let's do a quick intro around the room. East to weast, because I like it when you guys say that. Uh, who are you? Where are you recording out of? And which member of the Fellowship most closely resembles you as a person? Or which one do you just like the most? <laughs> oh, God. I'm definitely the most eastest. Um, this is Jordan from Durham, North Carolina. Oof, I'm probably one of like Mary or Pippin, just kind of hanging out on the side, eating and drinking and stuff. Not not really doing anything productive. Uh, <laughs> just just hanging out, you know. Where are we going? Exactly. <laughs> All right, who's next? Even uh, me. Uh, I don't remember what you said. Uh, Brett, I'm, this is Brett. Uh, from Fort Wayne. Ah, oh, man. My favorite is probably Gandalf, but I don't know. I'm probably more... I'm really awesome, so probably more like Aragorn. <laughs> no, I'm, pro- I'm probably Sam. <laughs> Hashtag free bulldog, lazy bulldog dozer Instagram. Do the right thing. All right. This time, Brett gets three. All right. Who's next? Wow. That's probably me. Um, Mikey recording from Goshen, Indiana. Uh, feel like Boromir probably resonates a lot with me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Just, I knew it. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Always thirsty for more power. Uh, <laughs> just relentless and, in his pursuits of the ring and whatnot. And cannot wield it. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Mikey, you are a gift. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I'm next. This is Josh from Goshen. Um, man, right off the bat, I want to go with Aragorn just for his pure like conflict avoidance thing he's got going on. Uh, You're Sauron. <laughs> so fuck out of here. He's not part of the Fellowship. I definitely gotta. I hate that Mikey stole it in front of me, but I think Boromir too. Like, I want things, and I want them now. <laughs> I'm losing confidence in you guys. Pappy, who are you? <laughs> Where are you out of yeah. and what you got? Uh, you know, I was going to say that I was Gandalf because he seems to be kind of the Pappy <laughs> of the group. Uh, and I'm, I'm recording from Louisville, Colorado, but I'm definitely more like Elrond where every time a bunch of people come over to my house, I'm like, I cannot stay here. I try to get them out <laughs> as quickly as possible. So. He's a vegetarian though, so. Deal breaker. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, well, where we last left off our uh, group of characters, Gandalf was trapped atop Saruman's tower. And, um, I mean, Saruman's up to some shit. He's brewing up some uh, some super orcs. Mikey, you went into this a little bit in the previous segment, but why don't you tell us about uh, this part here? And um, you being the practical guy of the podcast, 
What are your thoughts on how practical it is to build an army of super orcs out of trees and dirt? <laughs> and roots. Uh, practical as in I like practical effects in movies. No, you're the practical uh, guy now. <laughs> oh. Well, it is pretty practical to build your your army from natural resources. It's just so viable and abundant there. Um, I guess they just grow out from the ground, uh, so they really just got to dig them up and and pop that little sack that they're hiding in, but uh, <laughs> it's <Gross>. just <laughs> pop that goo sack that they crawl out of. But uh, yeah, I guess they just got to dig them up, right? I mean, I don't even know how they came up with the orc man bear pig hybrid, but they're in the ground and they're digging them up. I mean, they come out fully grown. Yeah, with a full high school diploma, <laughs> education. <laughs> just, They're just ready to ready join to the driver's license. <laughs> All right, and um, we have uh, Frodo and his friends. Now, Frodo, he was uh, very recently involved in a potentially preventable stabbing, and uh, he's, <laughs> he's really not doing so hot. Uh, he's kind of like fading out, and uh, he's, he's very clearly sick and he starts to see like a white light coming toward him he's slipping and, into the shadow world shadow. <laughs> and uh, we find out that it's Arwen the white light that comes to him and uh, she's here to take Frodo to uh, Rivendell now Brett uh, what are your thoughts on this sequence along with like the inclusion of Arwen in this movie against uh, her inclusion in the books because it's it's pretty different around here yeah, she's There's mentioned in the, the she's mentioned in the books like eighteen times. Uh, this is actually Glorfindel in the book, who's like a a stud. But uh, it's it's cool. I mean, she's a big name. You gotta get some diversity in there. I mean, wait, sorry, they didn't track. Whoa. They combined two characters there. Is no, they saying? they like almost completely wiped Glorfindel out. He's not used in. The, he he's like most is certainly at the Council of Elrond, but he's never like shown or named. He's like a guy. He actually beat a uh, Balrog in hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat. Just a Balrog, like, like from Moria, what? like one of those guys. Yeah, he, I want to watch this guy's movie. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he just like uh, Gandalf, Sounds they cute. killed each other and both fell off like the mountain and both died. But but did the, he the upgrade guy, after he died? Like Gandalf? yes, yes, yes. Oh. The gods brought him back, what? and he's yeah, he's a stud. I mean, he's he's really cool to read about. But yeah, wait. So Balrogs so, are just like that cheat at the beginning of like the third phase in Mario when you can just jump over the top and level up. <laughs> and you just go down the only, tube and you're the white only now? Only if they think that they're worthy, <laughs> I guess. Or they have more to do. But, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, it's okay. I mean, it's it's cool. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, it's they had to make a love story. I mean, it's a very unlove... I mean, they are love... I mean, there's a love story in the book, but it's, you know, a lot less pronounced. Um, I mean, it is Arwen and Aragorn, but again, she's just not a very big part of the book, so I, I'm okay with it. It's cool. I well, like Josh, this love have... story, though. I think it's nice. She like gives up her immortality to be with. Yep, she Aragorn. does too. Josh, you had a punishment movie, which is on the line for this trivia. Who do you, or which performance do you like better, Liv Tyler in Lord of the Rings or Liv Tyler in Armageddon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liv Tyler in. Uh, 
no animal crackers in Lord of the Rings, so I'll go with that. <laughs> All right. So, um, Josh, I mean, while we're at you, uh, what is it that Arwen does here? She comes and she kind of scoops up Frodo. Why don't you tell us about the about her big scene? Come and claim him, she proclaims to the Nazgul. She's like, uh, <laughs> she's just barely ahead of him, weaving through these pines, and she gets to a river, and she starts like chanting and talking some shit because the Nazgul don't seem to like want to get in water. Maybe they just don't like elements. Like they didn't like fire earlier. They don't like water. I don't know what the deal is with them, but they tentatively start walking over. And I think in the books, and maybe Brett can help me here. I think Gandalf or someone from afar kind of helps with the spell or something like that. No, Elrond, it's Elrond's spell. He does all of it by himself. Elrond just lays the hammer down. Yeah, it's Elrond Hubbard. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, this uh, sequence is one of my favorite shots in the whole series when she says, come and claim them, and they all pull their swords out at the same time. I think that gives me goosebumps every single time I see it. If you want him, come and claim him. Pappy, though, throwing it over to you. The water horses in this versus water horses in Frozen 2? I'll say this. The water horse in Frozen 2 is a little bit better defined but i'll take the lord of the rings water horses all day oh, way yeah. cooler <laughs> way way more of a devastating blow uh and, and kind of watching this for the first time i don't know like what the scope of elves power is and like when when you find out that they can like command water it's pretty it's pretty epic well elrond's one of the most powerful creatures of middle earth i don't know if every elf can do what he does is it because he's, he's the a- oldest like he's been around the longest so he's like well, learn magic. It, I've done so much research on him and Galadriel this week. Like, he's old. He's from the first age. Um, he's also he has the most powerful ring of the three, besides the One Ring. Um, he's like the best healer in Middle Earth. I mean, that's why he cures that ill that uh, Morgul blade wound. I mean, he's just really he's magical. He's got the gift of foresight. He can talk to uh, telepathically. How does people. this magic with the water work with an elf though? Is it straight magic? Water comes from nowhere, like mass from zero mass, or is it like every leaf holding a drop of dew drops it at the same time because they've heard his voice or something? Like a spirit bomb? It's a huge river, man. That's just probably more like that. The second one, I mean, I know it sounded ridiculous how you said it, but. Like, he just commands the water to move, I guess. I, I don't, he's not like, he's not bringing it out of thin air. He's like, it's just, he's get, getting it to flow. And unfortunately, Elrond's not talked about as much as like Galadriel. Like, Tolkien was like literally obsessed with Galadriel, the character. So she's got a lot richer history than him, but he's a awesome. And he's really, really, really powerful. So, Brett, mo- with moving water though, who has more midichlorians, Elrond or Moses? <laughs> Ooh, that's I'm not touching that one, dude. 
It's Moses. But definitely Elrond. Come on. <laughs> eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's Moses. He's got God. God's his homie, so. All right. So uh, they take on. they take Frodo to Rivendell, and he awakes in the uh, house of Elrond, and he's reunited with Gandalf here, and uh, a little bit later on Bilbo. But as far as Frodo's concerned, his task is complete at this point. Like, mm-hmm. he just needed to get the ring to somewhere that, you know, he considered to be a safe place, out of the Shire. Jordan, the artist formerly known as Stevie. <laughs> what do we learn here about uh, the characters, like, leading up to the Council of Elrond? There's some key points around this section with, um, with Aragorn, or Strider, as he's still referred to. Um, why don't you take it over from here? Uh, is this when they show, like, his broken sword and stuff? Yeah, all that. <laughs> oh, man, it's been a while, Corey. Ah, <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, but, yeah, they kind of, there's, like, a whip around, and they kind of show different characters talking in the background while Bilbo's kind of walking around and stuff. Or, not Bilbo, uh, Frodo, sorry. But, yeah, they show Aragorn's kind of history and how he's, like, the king in waiting but doesn't want it. Um, I don't also, want Bilbo it. Also, Bilbo has, yeah. <laughs> Bilbo has the the scariest moment of all of movie history. (laughs) I old ring. I should very much like to hold it again one last time. Um, The first time you see that is creepy. Yeah. What the first time? It's still scary. No, it is. But the first time, it like <laughs> literally, like, it's just scary. Has Sorry, anyone guys. here ever seen the Frighteners? No, no. I just wonder if like this kind of horror moment and like that contra zoom we talked about last episode are like just kind of camera tricks he got from making a, f- a horror film like that. I haven't seen it either. So, well, it's like the whole Bilbo thing's basically a jump scare. Like it gets loud during that part and it happens so fast like it, it emotionally devastates me every time i watch yeah. it it's, i know it's coming and i like wince ah. like, I, like brace for it to come it, it's also around this section we learn about um like aragorn you were talking about the history jordan um but he seems to have like this movie specific internal conflict and i don't remember how many of you guys are uh, or read the books. Brett, I know you have. Anyone else? Yeah. It's been a mm-hmm. long time for me, though. I do a lot of uh, Lord of the Rings wiki. Like, it really fascinates me and stuff. So that's where I get a lot of my information. I mean, maybe, Josh, you having read the books as well, you can uh, break this part down. Um, his dilemma, I guess, is that he doesn't want to be the king because like, Isildur was tempted by the ring. I don't want it. Uh, yeah, I think he's, hmm, I think he's got a lot of white guilt lying on his back. <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, though, I think he knows his forebears messed up big time. And Elrond has a scene pretty close to this point where he's like, I was there, you know. And it shows him just like screaming in Isildur's face, like, throw it in the goddamn fire, you idiot. <laughs> hey, just real quick, just to jump in. Does everyone else think that he should have killed him there? Probably. Probably, yeah. I mean, it would have been a tough decision, but <laughs> you, he's like a billion times more powerful than Isildur, <laughs> even with that ring. So it's like, go grab it from him. A billion times? 
uh, a billion divided by a million. If we're gonna talk about power Fuck. levels, you got midichlorian numbers for us, or a billion, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even more than Master Yoda. I, I feel like the elves are have some sort of like moral code. I was there. I saw the will of man. <laughs> and it, Elrond's whole thing with like I was there. I immediately, th- I don't know if you guys probably didn't, but it made me think of Donald Trump, like with being at Ground Zero and other first responders. And I was down there also. But I'm not considering myself a first responder, but I was there. Oh, God. yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought immediately. Just going to move right along here. <laughs> Josh has a good point, though, about the elves. They think, uh, I don't think, well, I guess they do kind of think that they're better than man, at least. So Elrond kind of like already separates himself. Like, I can't. I can't handle the ring. I'm not doing this. He's just I'm he's just like there facilitating who's he's just there setting up the group. He knows that he can't wield the ring for this part. Yeah. He's a surprisingly objective voice that's just so matrixy. I couldn't help but laugh this time around quite a bit every time he spoke. I love Hugo Weaving so much. <laughs> it's the greatest. So great. It's awesome. A small point about Hugo Weaving is that um before he was cast, apparently David Bowie wanted the role of Elrond. Oh my god. <laughs> nothing. 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 Tra la la. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Slap the <dance>. baby. <laughs> you know he would have had a killer elf codpiece. <laughs> Sarah, I was Such there. <laughs> Elrond Bulge. <laughs> Elrond Bulge. Oof. Elf Bulge. That's bad. Alright, so this is kind of where the uh, Council of Elrond is formed. It's a big moment in the movie, and it brings together uh, representatives of different folk throughout the land, and they gotta decide what to do with the ring that Frodo brought here. Now, uh, Pappy, I'd like you to take us through this part, but uh, but on an earlier episode, uh, you had mentioned that there were some issues with diversity in the movie, and Lord of the Rings in general. Okay. I mean, it's pretty much squashed here, right? I mean, not only do we have hobbits and Gandalf, but we got men. We got them all. We got dwarfs. We got elves. Lady elves. I mean, yeah. Every single race is represented equally. Bob Iger would be very proud with the corporate profits he can reap uh, from this. But I I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's not only one of the most classic scenes in the series. I would argue it's one of the most memed scenes oh, in yeah. any movie of all time. The, like, the Boromir one, the... You can't. One does not simply. Yeah, there we go. One That's do, so good. One does not simply. You have my bow, my <laughs> axe. Like, it is a gift. Like there, there are so many memes that are like just derived from this one part. But it's, it is a really great coming together sequence from from a movie. And you know, a lot of movies have this where the squad assembles. But, but to have kind of the infighting that takes place. And and I, I guess it's been a while since I saw the extended editions. The whole like. Gandalf yelling in Mordor tongue that's yeah, that's like to unique that to this part right like this that's not in the regular editions I no. thought it was I don't know Wait. no it's not in the extended no, edition there's a whole scene where Boromir almost grabs the ring if not for Gandalf yeah. just going Dang, I've got to watch that it. man I didn't mm-hmm. that sounds awesome I mean, yeah, it has a lot of context, and like we said, I think on the first one or the second one that it's it's a litmus test on, on how all of the characters will respond. Like Gimli tries to smash the ring right away. Uh, Legolas is kind of like a voice of level-headed reason, but 
The way it ends is just so fucking charming with the hobbits running in next to Frodo. Like, okay, where are we going? <laughs> like, it's just great. Like, it's the perfect balance of like drama, fantasy, like, and comedy. Little, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit of levity at the end. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So good. It is really good. They get together. They they form the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. We get the title in the movie. <laughs> 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 no, uh, and then credits roll. <laughs> Josh, uh, one of my um, required talking points is our uh, most famous or favorite assemble the crew scenes, and this one is obviously really iconic. But I'm going to toss it back at you for this. Uh, what's your favorite assemble the crew scene, and why is it the one from Armageddon? Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. Listen, we've done Swords and Shields, um, and I know that was complicated and probably weird for listeners because we released that episode, and then we released Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where we're down each other's throats about old episodes Yeah, it was really... Swords and Shields had to happen after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There was no other... But the release schedule for listeners was opposite, so it sounds like we're still salty about that. But what I'm trying to get at is I... I gotta say Young Guns. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night. I was waiting for regulators mount up. I knew it was coming. I love it. I know what Stevie would say. Fast. MacGruber. Oh my god, MacGruber is so hilarious. When they all get together. <laughs> what about you, Corey? You got one? I mean, this. I would say this one in any other circumstance. Uh... I don't know. I'll proffer, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... I'll proffer one real quick while you think. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go with a lost episode of spoilers, the Blues Brothers. Like the whole first act is basically an assembling the crew sequence, but really awesome each time. We should probably redo that movie at some point. <laughs> <laughs> redo it? <laughs> it's a lost episode. It's a, it's a, a whole thing. Listen to 250. <laughs> we talk. <laughs> I got one too. Go ahead. Uh, and Mighty Ducks 2. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, the quack attack is back, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that was my duck call. Can we How get a it? train whistle? <laughs> <laughs> You're one thing. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Trains are coming to Isengard, boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mikey, did you give one? I like uh, the Fast and the Furious team up. It's it's because it's more about family. It's not about <laughs> right. the team. It's more in the, about... fir- in the first one, Mikey. Uh, any of them? They have them in all of them. Uh, the one in Tokyo Drift is also kind of funny because we get uh, Bow Wow kind of just like <laughs> inserting himself into the group when nobody really wants him. Whenever I hear that name. <laughs> I'm going to kind of go off what you said. I like uh, Fast Five. That is my favorite of the Fast and the Furious movies. And it does have the best assemble the crew because Paul Walker's like, we need a guy that can do this and this. And like, then they show the guy like flying in. We need a guy that can do this. But I don't think they ever actually use the skills that he mentioned. But hey, it doesn't matter. It's about family. Ocean's Eleven is probably my favorite. I just remembered Ocean's Eleven is probably my favorite. Oh, yeah, that's... And Corey, even though Young Guns Guns is my favorite movie, Assemble the Crew, but I think is is Prince or Dave Chappelle as Prince saying, (laughs) Assemble your crew. Is that like the... Assemble the crew. Yeah, is that what this meme is born from? Assemble your crew. 
I'll be outside. <laughs> Definitely. Game. Blouses. <laughs> All right, so um, we got the Fellowship of the Ring. Has They've been formed, and uh, Frodo has to say goodbye to Bilbo, but uh, not before scoring some sweet power-ups. He gets the Mithril shirt and Sting. Now, uh, maybe Brett, you're a book reader, you can tell us about uh, the history of Sting, because... Sting isn't mentioned that much in the Lord of the Rings books. I think it goes back to The Hobbit where they really describe it. Yeah. You know anything about Sting? What's its? Uh, I mean, it's more special than a regular sword, right? It's got, like, magic. Yeah, it's. Uh, they find um, when they're traveling in The Hobbit, they come across some old elf swords. Um, a lot of them take one, and they, yeah, they are Im- imbibed with magic where they will light up when they see uh, when there's orcs or goblins around. Um and Sting just happened to be a perfect one for him because it's kind of like a short sword for uh, a normal person, but for him it's perfect. So yeah, it gets him out of a lot of sticky situations and uh, yeah, it glows blue. It's really cool. And ne- Yeah, I love this shit because it's straight up pure fantasy of just the straight up genre fantasy. It's so awesome. It's like, oh, here's this ancient sword and it also has... The ability to warn you of danger nearby and blah blah blah. It's, it's really really indestructible cool. as well. Like yeah. the elves, you know, were pretty it's, good at making stuff. Yeah, it's like a relic. It has powers. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's made awesome. of Valyrian steel, I think, and it <laughs> and it reminds me of needle from Game of Thrones for some reason. Ice. Yeah, definitely because it's smaller. I mean, it's definitely like a D and D weapon, where it like has a special ability, and like you get it after like leveling up at a certain point for sure this is all like basically D shit a lot of like D was formed from this movie but for a long time actually the creators of D, they like didn't want to publicly admit that they like sold it as like their own creation but i mean so much stuff with lord of the rings and D is like one-to-one especially like with elves that's pretty confusing Hobbits. when you say D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, when a lot of people may have thought you meant like David Benioff and D.B. Weiss no. when we were just talking about Game of Thrones. Mm. Yeah. No one thinks that, Josh. No one's referring to them ever. <laughs> they're, they're canceled, man. I mean, but we can all agree they're really good writers. Alright, so the... Oh. <laughs> one thing we can agree on. <laughs> Masters of pen. <laughs> there and back again at Game of Thrones <laughs> <laughs> so the fellowship leaves Rivendell and they set out uh, for Mordor but they have to go through this like the snowy mountain pass I don't remember the exact name but I think the reason they have to go there is because Saruman has spies watching the south passage and kind of along the way we get to see a bit of uh, Boromir's character um, he has like a couple key moments, I think. One of them is where he is like teaching the hobbits how to fight, and uh, we kind of see his humanity and he bonds with them. And I think it's a, I don't know, pretty nice scene. Love it. And a little bit later on, we get to see like him being tempted by the ring, and that's kind of as they're approaching the mountains when uh, when Frodo drops the ring and he comes and he actually picks it up. Mikey, why don't you take it from here and lead us from that point into the uh, snowy mountains? Yeah, uh, Boromir picks up this ring, and he actually even, like, 
he does turn around and like offers it back to Frodo, right? But he kind of hesitates. He just kind of holds it in his hand and uh, Aragorn is right there with his hand on his hilt, ready to strike if Boromir tries to do anything crazy. But uh, it's it's a pretty tense situation. And I never, like when I first watched this a while, like uh, when I was younger, when it first came out, I guess I never like really put one and two together that uh, Boromir was kind of already under control of this ring. I just kind of thought that, I don't know. It didn't, it's Sean Bean, so you just know that he's going to die. You don't (laughs) really expect. He's necessarily under control of the ring, but he had like the most on his plate, like the biggest burden. Like all I could think about was his people. And so it was just a lot easier for him to fall into that because he wanted it so bad. He wanted to save his people so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching it now, you can see the scene that we were talking about at the council I love so much. It's like he's so close to the ring and he just wants to go out there and grab it. And now he actually has it in his hands and he's just like entranced by it. And Aragorn is literally right there with the sword. It's it's a really good scene, I think. It's weird, though, and I don't know if they really explain it, but Aragorn is Isildur's heir. But this is how... Isildur, I feel like, would act if he was in this situation. Exactly how Boromir is acting here. Yes. I just like I'm with you. Like it, he probably would be like that. But like when they show Isildur, it's almost looks more like he's like greedy, just for like you said earlier. Like he wants stuff, and I feel like Boromir, he does want stuff. But again, he's so focused on saving his people because they're just in a constant war every second with the orcs that are posted up over there. I don't know. I feel like he's doing it for probably more noble reasons than Isildur, but then again, we don't know enough about him, so you're probably right. He's probably trying to save his people, too. I mean, it's the it's like the folly of man, though. Like, Aragorn is, like, rising above it, and Boromir is, like, kind of succumbing to it. Like, he, he wants the power to try to do it himself, I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know what he expects to do with the ring. Like, just like put it on and go invisible, and we Be win. Invisible, <laughs> <laughs> instantly get destroyed by ring rays. It is weird. Its power is like spoken very metaphorically quite a bit, and I know it's kind of a metaphor for the atomic bomb. And I don't want to stump. I don't want to stomp on Brett's section coming up, but. I feel like there's other powers of the ring that we somehow there, don't see. There are so much more. Well, I think, Corey, didn't you say a couple episodes ago that the power kind of depends on who's who's wielding it? That was kind of always your your theory. Yeah, that's definitely what I took away. Like, the, uh, the hobbits are more or less safe, well, safer with it than other people would be because it has less of an influence on them. It wouldn't grant them as much power. It's, uh, I don't know, it's safer in their hands. But, like, someone like Gandalf would be... All bad. Yeah. Well, either either way, Frodo's doing a really shitty job as the ring bearer if he slips in a little bit of snow <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's just on the ground. He doesn't even whoop, realize whoop, whoop, it. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> well, I love how his first place to put it is in this little shitty pocket. I know, it's terrible. His, <laughs> <I was thinking laughs> it's like, dude, if I take a crap when I stand up, it's gonna fall out of my. <laughs> it's gonna fall out of my pocket. There's there's something that isn't in the movie, but is like. It's, it's been talked about ever since the movies came out, and that is Tom Bombadil. You guys know about him? Oh, that's my guy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No. 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 Who is that? 
So he's a guy that they encounter um, after they leave the Shire. Like the first place they go through is through this like these like certain woods. It's called like the Dark Wood or something like that or the Lost Wood. Uh, but they encounter this guy there who's not quite a human or a hobbit and his like height-wise he's somewhat in between. But he's kind of like this ageless being as well. I guess kind of in a way that Gandalf is. And um, older though, way older. Yeah, older. Yeah, is he like the god of Middle Earth or something? There's. I didn't want to stop on Corey. I no, mean, Brett, keep going. please. Like, okay, Tom Bombadil's. He's kind of an anomaly. He's he says he's the first. He was the first person that came over to Middle Earth. He was there before the elves. He was there before just about everybody. Um. He is just. He's like a god. I mean, he he really is a god. You can't do anything with him. His People quail at the sound of his voice. Um, he, uh, for the people who don't know, in the book, they they stay with him for a couple days. You say they quail? Quaver? Quaver. Quail? Yeah. Quiver? Quail. <laughs> Coil? No. Like the bird? We're going to move on. <laughs> like Dan? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Hold on. They Dan quail at the very sound of Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadillo. I'm so sorry, Brett. No, but now I'm now I'm curious. No one else is gonna. But it's like Tom Tom Bombadil is like the thing that's cited when you Google like difference in movie and book. He is the first result, like unilaterally across anything that you look at. Quail verb to recoil in dread or terror. (laughs) Boom shakalaka. Right wins. Okay, Uh, but the first definition was definitely the bird. Um, okay, so in, in the book, he sees the ring, he takes the ring from Frodo, and he makes it disappear. He puts it on, it doesn't make him invisible, and not only that, he can see Frodo when he has the ring on. The ring holds absolutely no power over him, and in the actually in the Council of Elrond, they mention whether, hey, should we consider giving this ring to Tom Bombadil? And don't they say like Wait, he'll his, just his lose it? Fucking Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's Tom. Yeah. He's got, he's got hey, a lot. Hey, of, hey. He's got other old, names. Old man Tom. I'm pretty he's sure the better than Jeff. Uh, but Tommy what are you gonna Bobby. say, Josh? His name is simply Tom. But <laughs> yeah, I think the reason they decide not to give it to him, despite him being yep. so powerful, is like Gandalf says, "Oh, he'll just like set it somewhere and forget it." <laughs> Yeah, basically... Uh, He'll just it, go it do mean, something it, else. <laughs> it literally means nothing to him, so he doesn't realize the importance of it. They said, Tom, he would really just... He'd probably just misplace it. And then you're back to where you started with, you know, it being in the water. Someone would find it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Sauron would eventually... Everything would go black around Tom Bombadil, and eventually he would get the ring. So Tom Bombadil's not ever powerful. He can't take... Sauron that way, but it would be he'd be like the last living person before Sauron came and got the ring. So it really wouldn't have served the purpose they wanted to. But he's basically his wife's his, his wife's a babe, by the way, too. Her name's Goldberry. She's super old too. Hey. What's she look like? He's blonde. <laughs> Gold. She's like an elf type. Ooh, I like. Goldberry. Yeah. Ooh. He he sings about her all the time. He's like obsessed with her and all the all the hobbits love her too. He saves them twice. He saves them before he meets them, and then he lets them, they, they leave, and then he saves them again. So they're like pretty useless. 
when Gandalf's not around. I mean, Tom Sorry. Bombadil is like pretty like foppish and oafy though. Like he's like always singing songs. Yes, and he's kind yeah, of no, like, he, yeah, he's he cares about the earth and singing and again, nothing going on hippie. means anything to him. Just Huge he's stuck den. in his little world. Good. I'm glad we got Tom Bombadil out of the way. All right. Uh, <laughs> he's not in this. Classic Tom. There, there's write-ups for him though. Um, they had him cast and everything, and they had an idea, but it ended up deciding that it would take away from what they were going for. So um, probably a good idea. I mean, I, I was disappointed that he wasn't in it because I think he's a really cool character. But you're right, he's he's goofy. Definitely. Now, Pappy, uh, where we last left off, our uh, our fellowship here was heading through the snowy mountains. Uh, why don't you? take us home tell us what happens there and uh, where do they leave off yeah it's a it's a classic uh, slash r slash movie facts thing that comes up but if you're watching or movie details you're watching Legolas is like walking on top of the snow while the I rest of the that. fellowship including all like the little short guys so are, are like barely struggling to get through the snow and uh, th- the choice is kind of left up to Frodo which way to go and uh, Gimli's been talking about his cousin Balin uh, will show them a feast in the mines or whatever and and so despite Gandalf's concerns and even with a voiceover warning from Saruman they uh, decide to go through the mines of Moria let the ring bearer decide let the ring bearer decide I mean let's not forget that uh, Saruman he's like lobbing like fucking magic missiles and shit at the mountain that's also uh, that's also just for the movie. Yeah, but it's so cool that long distance wizard battle is dope. It's awesome. So uh, yeah, they end up uh, they decide to go through the mines. We will go through the mines. So be it. And so be it. Anyone have any final thoughts on this? Before we go to uh, Josh's rig trivia, I know <laughs> Brett is a staunch yes. defender as uh, Ghostbusters having the best montage. I of never all time. ever said I did. I did. I, I made a mistake, but I was wrong. <laughs> the the kind of the section that we talked about, kind of pre going through the mountains to like when they leave the Council of Elrond, is arguably in my mind one of the greatest montages of all time because every shot feels so epic it's establishing like the awesomeness of of middle earth like there's shots of like fields and mountains and it's it's really kind of the only time that the fellowship is together like this traveling that you get to see them traveling but it 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 occupies such a big space in my brain you know what i mean like i always think of the fellowship together traveling but it's really just this one short montage that we get to get to enjoy it they're like happy like the it's like the only time they're happy together probably and it Pappy, is nice, yeah. we're talking about the iconic imagery of the ring falling on frodo's finger but when i think of lord of the rings it's the nine walking on top of the snowy mountain i think that is the first image that pops in there it's just a yeah it's just gorgeous cinematography great use of the location of new zealand and and yeah it's iconic iconic imagery hard to underscore how important it is nice well josh i think you're up yeah we're ready for trivia and um in this episode we had elron who demanded the fellowship find the a 
find someone to throw the ring in the fires of Mordor because that's the only place it could be destroyed. And this always confused me. Like, is the fire hotter in Mordor than it is anywhere else in the planet? That's where he. Oh, sorry. (laughs) My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. I forgot you're doing trivia. (laughs) (laughs) Brett, do you you actually have an answer? It won't affect trivia. (laughs) I think that's just where he uh, made it. Made it from that. Yeah, so the the ring must be bookend at Mortor for some reason. So anyway, what this got me curious about was at what heats do different metals actually b- melt? So terrible at science. A terrible at science. Uh Corey or Brett, <laughs> you're actually in dead last with one. You had negative one before last episode. Um, Can you say I'm tied with like three other people <laughs> instead of I'm in dead last? Uh, dead I think last. because you came from negative one, you have such negative momentum in the <laughs> trivia that you're just started, dead last. So started from the bottom though. Now I'm here. <laughs> this you're gonna have a chance to work, earn a couple points here. So the way this is gonna work is I'm gonna give you a medal, and you're gonna so, tell me if the next medal uh, melts at a higher or lower temperature, and then sounds so stupid. <laughs> Classic higher or lower. <laughs> hey, we could skip you, Brett. Zero no, points. Okay. So, starting starting metal is aluminum. Burns at 1,220 degrees Fahrenheit. So, the next metal that you are concerned with is gold. 24 carat. Does it burn higher or low? Or does it melt at a higher or lower temperature? I'm going to say higher. It does. And Brett, for an extra bonus point, guess how many degrees Fahrenheit. And if you're within 100, I'll give you a bonus point. 1,800 degrees. Sorry, it's 1,945. Wow. Oh, Very close. That was close. Yeah. That was close. <laughs> so, Pep, or Corey, slash Kylo Ren memes. Yeah. Um, you were also <laughs> tied for last slash newest to this Dead podcast, last. so you're second to last. Um, your next metal is lead. Does it burn at a higher or lower temperature? Sorry, melt at a higher or lower temperature than gold. Uh, if melts obviously at a higher temperature. It does melt at a lower temperature. <laughs> I'll still Christ. let you guess the temperature at which lead melts if you'd like okay it's easy 1400 <laughs> sorry it's 621 <laughs> degrees oh whoa that's i knew i had a feeling it was lower but that's really low melt some lead in my oven also with only one total point pappy creative spoilers nickel is your next metal does it bend does it melt higher or lower than lead go higher Bob it does go higher and do you have a guess for how many degrees Fahrenheit 1569 degrees way <laughs> off it's actually 2647 um, way off Mikey yours is copper copper um, and what was the temperature I'm going off of 2647 degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. Capper. 
very important when stealing it from uh, <laughs> work yards. Uh, I'd assume it has a very high temperature uh, melting. I'm going to say even higher than 2,500. It is lower. And I'm going to actually amend the rules. If you get it wrong, you can't guess anymore. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's fine. Run one. Go ahead now. and guess. Copper, how many degrees Fahrenheit does it burn at, Mikey? 800. Okay, it's 1,983. Oof. Going into round two, same rules, Brett. You're going from copper. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Jordan. Almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like any skipped. points Jordan's earned should be minus Stevie points. Yes. You, <laughs> you, you stole my fucking game format and you try to skip me? This is bullshit. I have enough for you, so this is good. Copper and listen to the trivia episode. Copper was 1963, and we're going next to phosphorus. Um, higher. It's lower. Do you have a guess? I'll say six thousand nine hundred. It's one hundred and eleven. Fuck. <laughs> Not going to let you get your 69 joke in. <laughs> Brett, you're up next. Pure silver is after phosphorus at 111. Pure silver. Higher. It is. Brett, you're on a roll. And you're, you're like basically in first now. Um, do you have a guess for how many degrees Fahrenheit? This is your last chance for points here. 1,550. 1760. Corey, from pure silver to silicone. I'm going to say it burns at a lower temperature. It is a higher temperature. You got to get that right. Don't you live by Silicon Valley? <laughs> no. So he right knows right what temperature backyard. the metal burns at. <laughs> California is small. I figured everything was close. Pat. Redwood, Silicon Valley, Oregon's right there. Pappy, Silicon burns at 2,572 degrees Fahrenheit. What do you think about tungsten? Ooh, I got it on my finger right now. What was <laughs> I'll say... It's quite cool to the touch. Higher. Higher, sorry. It is much higher. Manly. Manly. You have a guess. Much higher? Much higher, I'll say 5,000 degrees. 6,150. We still got two points on the net. It's very good. Mikey, from tungsten to mercury. Ooh. Ooh, the tastiest of metals. Freddy or the actual metal? Oh, dang it. You're right. <laughs> I should have thought of that one first. Uh, I'm going to say, well... Lower, I mean, it melts in your hands, right? Lower is correct, Mikey. Got another point. Do you have a guess? Uh, well, when it's melting in your mouth, when you're getting that sweet, sweet mercury, uh, gotta say, <laughs> ninety-eight degree, ninety-eight point six degrees. <sighs> this is the closest we've gotten to the bonus point. It's actually negative thirty-seven point nine degrees Ooh. Fahrenheit. Oh, so close. So you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. And you kind of get a layup here, Jordan, with this last one. But yeah. zinc. Is it higher or lower than mercury? 
higher? It is. And do you have a guess for how many degrees Fahrenheit? Uh, 500. 787. Okay, so <sighs> thank you for trivia. Uh, we will have a punishment episode for whoever gets the lowest amount of points and is the golem. Corey, you're new to the podcast. <laughs> you're golem right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a dream come true. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, swing. you know, I'm not going to be on the next one, so uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty secure in Gollum, I think. <laughs> I'm not going to get any more points. <laughs> Can you explain that and then toss us out to see what, and just to lift the curtain a little bit before we head out? Yeah, I'm not going to be on uh, parts five and six that we do next week because I'm going to be uh, seeing the rise of Skywalker, as we should all be doing, but I guess it's just me. Uh, so, <laughs> seeing it Friday. I guess next week, uh, who's it going to? Brett and Pappy? Yep. All right, so they'll be taking it home with uh, Fellowship Parts 5 and 6. I guess that's all we got for this episode. Do I get to say the line? Yep. Do it. Oh, man. I joined the podcast for this. Dreams come true, don't they? (laughs) Take it away, Spoiler Man. (laughs) Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Our spoilers hotline is 903-776-4507. That's 903-SPOIL-07. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. That was spoilers. Nine companions. So be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? <laughs>